My name is Peter Gordan. When I was 15 years old, I learned the monarch butterflies are disappearing, and I decided to do something about it. This is my story. That's when I started thinking, okay, what, what could I do? Of course, I was upset, but how could I turn my frustration and anger into something that could be productive and actually help the situation? Hey, I'm Danny Washington, and welcome to The Genius Generation, the podcast about young people who are changing our world in big ways. On this week's show, my guest is Peter Gordan. Peter was a freshman in high school when he learned that monarch butterflies are disappearing at an alarming rate. So he decided to act. He formed an organization called Homes for Monarchs, which has distributed tens of thousands of milkweed seed packets all around his native city of Chicago. Never heard of milkweed? That's okay. The one thing you need to know is it's essential to the survival of the species. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're glad you're here and we're excited to talk to you about your project called Homes for Monarchs. What exactly is it? So Homes for Monarchs is a nonprofit organization where we distribute free native seed packets that provide food and habitat for pollinators and spread environmental awareness throughout our communities. So what's the specific problem that you're trying to solve and how does Homes for Monarchs solve that problem? Well, the main problem we're solving is the Eastern Monarch butterfly population has declined approximately 90% in the past 25 years. And the biggest reason for this decline is the destruction of their main habitat and their main food source, which is milkweed. And the solution that Homes for Monarchs does we distribute free milkweed seed packets for people to take and plant the seeds in their garden and then that'll hopefully create more homes for monarchs in the different homes in our community. I for one love monarch butterflies and I've always have since I was a child. I think they're so beautiful and I just enjoy watching a butterfly fly around me whenever I get the opportunity to see one. But for someone who thinks that butterflies are just another insect, why should they care about monarch butterflies and why are they so special? So I think there's a couple of reasons. One is they have one of the longest migrations of any insect species. So monarch butterflies, around late September, early October, all the monarch butterflies living in the northern U.S. and southeastern Canada migrate all the way to this one mountain and this one clouded forest in the Mexican state of Michoacan. And they roost there in these giant evergreen trees until it's time for spring. It's around 3,000 mile migration each way. And beyond just like the amazing like awe of how can an insect that small be able to do that, is that we also still don't understand exactly how they do it. And if you don't have living monarch butterflies, you're never going to discover the reason. Finally, I think more like an intangible cultural factor is that monarch butterflies are really a symbol of native wildlife in not just the U.S., but also in Mexico and Canada. Monarch butterflies are the state insect for seven U.S. states. And I would really argue that they're just like a, a national symbol of summer and wildlife. As you said, Dan, usually when most people think of a butterfly, the monarch butterfly is just one of the most recognizable species that comes to mind. Yeah, you can't get away from the fact that monarchs have these beautiful and brilliant orange-red wings. It's beautiful just to look at them. And the other wild thing that I read the other day is that they only have a four to five week lifespan. Oh, yeah. So how do they manage to make that massive migration of almost 3,000 miles in just that short lifespan? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. 
when you have, let's just say, Generation Zero of monarch butterflies, the ones that were hanging out in Michoacan, Mexico during the winter. So this Generation Zero, once spring comes, they might they start their migration out of Mexico and they hit about Texas, Oklahoma, that kind of area, and they have their babies and they die. And then Generation One, they make it a little bit further, have their babies die, and then this whole process kind of repeats. They keep getting uh, further and further north to the most northern part of the range until you get to generation four or five, depending on the year. And then that's when those are the ones that make the migration all the way back down to Mexico. So generations one to three, they only live, as you said, just four to five weeks. Whereas this last generation is going to make the trip back down to become generation zero for next year, they live upwards of six to eight months. And they're called like the Methuselah generations after like the biblical character, oldest man in the world. And <laughs> it's a fitting name because the difference in their lifespan is just staggering. And, and that's another really cool evolutionary trait that scientists still really don't understand. And these Methuselah monarchs, they're bigger, they're more robust, and they just they're able to make this 3,000 mile journey. It, it's really an amazing thing. So why is milkweed so important to monarch butterflies? And what is milkweed for that matter? Definitely. So maybe I'll answer the second question first. Milkweed is a native plant. It's really not a weed. It's not a weed. That's why I always tell people, milkweed is not a weed. It's a native plant. It's been here long before the Europeans colonized North America. And milkweed and monarch butterflies have been co-evolving for millions of years. And as a result of this, the monarch butterfly caterpillars will only eat milkweed leaves. And the monarch butterfly mothers are only going to lay their eggs on milkweed plants. And Hold on a second. So they only live on one plant? That's it? Correct. Monarch mothers, they will just keep traveling until they find a milkweed plant. So that's why it's really important that we have milkweed growing in our gardens and in our forest preserves and our farmland all across the U.S. Because if you kill off all the milkweed, there's going to be nowhere for the monarch butterflies to lay their eggs and there's going to be nothing for the caterpillars to eat. The milkweed actually has a certain uh, toxin inside it that the monarch ingests, and that makes it poisonous to predators. It's always easy to spot a monarch butterfly. A lot of butterfly species are pretty camouflaged, so it, it's not too often where you get something that really wants itself to be seen. You can think of monarch butterflies as kind of orange construction signs. Bright orange, black lettering, and they say, caution, get away from me, do not eat me. Nature does a brilliant job. I never knew that milkweed actually transformed into a poisonous substance, so it prevents predators from eating them. Now, why has milkweed disappeared? beginning in the 1990s, you had the introduction of genetically modified organisms, particularly corn and soybean. These organisms were modified to be resistant to certain pesticides, and that allowed farmers to spray a lot more pesticides that normally would have killed the non-resistant crops. So I hate to boil it down and say that it's just the pesticides, but pesticides are really one of the worst things. Once the milkweed takes that up, it can be really toxic to monarch butterflies. And I would imagine, like you mentioned, milkweed, the name of the plant itself, I'm sure people in their own personal gardens would be like, I don't know if I really want a garden, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually a wildflower. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a struggle. <laughs> There's definitely like a, a branding issue there where I have to explain to people, people like, oh, why do I want a weed in my garden? And you really have to explain the name is deceiving and this really is a good plant that you want to have. So in terms of homes for monarchs, one of the things that you do for the community is distribute seed packets. So where do these milkweed seeds come from? Do you harvest them yourself? Walk me through the whole process. Sure, sure. In the beginning, when I first started, I would just harvest 
the milkweed seeds from my garden. Milkweed seeds are quite interesting because they're encased in this warty pear-shaped pod. And inside this pod, the milkweed seeds are attached to these little fluffy parachutes, which makes it a little bit difficult to separate the seeds because you have to separate, physically separate the seeds uh, from this like feathery fluff. And then I put the milkweed seeds in these paper packets. Uh, and the packets have planting instructions in them. And each packet has about 10 to 20 individual milkweed seeds. Originally, it was just really me, my mom, and my grandma on Sundays, just cleaning all the milkweed and putting it in the packets. Over time, as homeschool owners got bigger and bigger, I realized that there simply weren't enough hours in the day to create all the milkweed seed packets that I wanted. So that's when I started holding the big volunteer milkweed seed packaging events. The least number of people I had was one person <laughs> showed up at one event and the most I've had is upwards of 250 and really I've had events with everything in between. That's really cool. Peter, what initially inspired Homes for Monarchs? Was there a particular moment you remember that kind of sparked the idea and how old were you at the time? when I was a freshman in high school, so this was 2016, I encountered an article that was talking about how the monarch butterfly population had declined. I think it was like 95% at that time in 20 years. And for me, of course, like I'd grown up with monarch butterflies. I'd seen them. I'd really been an integral part of, of, of my childhood. And when I saw that, I was just appalled and I couldn't believe that something that seemingly was so common and so ubiquitous in our uh, daily lives was also so fragile and, and so at risk of extinction. So that's when I started thinking, okay, wh what could I do? Of course I was upset, but how could I turn my frustration and anger into something that could be productive and actually help the situation? And I thought, if milkweed is such an important part of a monarch butterfly's life, if I can get more people in my community to plant milkweed, that would mean that we would be able to create more homes for monarchs and hopefully help make some meaningful increase in their yearly population. So tell me about the impact that Homes for Monarchs has had so far. Like, how many seed packets have you given out? Approximately 21,000 seed packets so far, with another 20,000 underway. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely phenomenal. So how does it feel to see that kind of impact? It feels great. It feels inspiring. I've heard back from dozens of people that have emailed me saying that they planted and then it grew and they've been attracting monarch butterflies. So, so I do know that they grow and that the process is working. So that's what I live for. Love that. Do you have any advice for other young people who might want to pursue something similar? I would say my biggest advice would be just to start doing it. You, you can't wait for the perfect moment to do something because there's no such thing as the perfect moment. You just really need to start because the time that you're going to spend thinking, oh, when is the perfect time to do this or when am I going to make my next? Of course, it's important to strategize and plan for the future, but you just got to start doing something because I guarantee you it's so much easier once you've just started, you've gotten into the rhythm. It, it's so much easier to just expand and grow from there. You don't have to try and save the world in the first day of you trying to do something. That can be a goal that you can do, but you have to build up to it and start in your local community and kind of assess how can me and my passion kind of work to help fill those needs. That's great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I, I'm excited to see what you're going to do in the future. And I'm right there with you. I'm here to help protect the monarch butterflies. Thank you, Danny. We definitely will need your help. We need everyone's help. If we all work together, we'll be able to do it. That I have confidence in. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Genius Generation. 
If you want to learn more about Peter and his organization, follow him on Instagram at Homes for Monarchs. That's Homes for Monarchs with the digit four instead of the word. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and subscribe. The Genius Generation is a podcast created by Seeker and Trax. The show is hosted by me, Danny Washington. Emily Feld and Evan Hall are our producers. Caroline Roth, Brian C. Magala, and Matt Morales are Seeker producers. Our editor and sound designer is John Pappas. Our executive producers are Brett Kushner, Michelle Smalley, and Brian Pendergast. Our PA is Navani Otero. Thanks for listening. Funding for the Genius Generation comes from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, investing in our common future. How do we create change that lasts? True transformation happens by changing the system, not just the situation. It's a bit like the difference between saving a tree and creating a new sustainable way of doing forestry. Ashoka is a global community of thousands of changemakers who are committed to making systemic change and empowering others to do the same. We get it. Changing systems sounds intimidating, but there's nothing to fear. Join Ashoka for a three-part learning journey to uncover issues you care about, identify the root causes, and start building a solution. Learn more by visiting changemaking.net or check out the link in the show notes. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Tracks from PRX.